live. All right. Welcome back to World Strong's Opinions, episode 34 with Victoria Long. Uh, as you may know, two-time Arnold Pro Strong Woman Champion, uh, 22 and 23, uh, 22 America's Strongest Woman. Uh, I know you won uh, the Shot Classic at 22. Also, lots of accolades uh, in your in your career thus far. Welcome to the show. It's glad we're we're really glad to have you here. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, it was really great when you said yes. I was like, it's nice seeing the your deadlift event coming up and everything. Oh like, yeah, we have a good yeah. good amount to talk about. Absolutely, that's that's huge. Um, you've got you've got a little a little pressure now to to go after that seven hundred. I do, I do. Uh, uh, we're we're definitely going to try for it, if not more. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I, I've never done just a, a, a world record attempt before. Um, you know, it just so happened at the Arnold, it was, I mean, you know, you're doing a deadlift pull. It's just, if you break the record, you break the record. So um, so I've never done uh, training specifically for um, for a world record. So that's new to me. A um, little different, you know. Um, but for me, I think it less stressful because there's not so many things you have to focus on necessarily. Just, you know, the one event. So it'll be fun. Yeah. It makes a big difference. I mean, considering what you pulled at the Arnold was amazing. And like, that's after the wheel of pain, which I feel like <laughs> takes a hundred pounds. Most people's deadlifts. Oh man. Like, yeah. That was brutal. And you still had plenty in the tank. I don't know why I feel like they should have let you add a fourth attempt. Like, I don't know their system. Like, yeah, yeah. it was, um, yeah. <clears throat> it was powerlifting rules essentially. So, you know, you pick your three yeah. lifts and that's it. Um, true. depending on the Federation though, in powerlifting, if you if you win, uh, a lot of times they'll let you take, especially if it's for a world record, they'll let you take a fourth attempt. Maybe. But I guess maybe you already, I mean, you already set the world record, so maybe there wasn't any sense. But I, you know, I mean, missed opportunity possibly. There's a lot of people who think it was a missed opportunity on Rogue's part to not let me do a, a you know a fourth attempt. Sure. Um, you know, but here's the thing, you know, we still had other events to do, so you know, you also have to keep that in mind as you're competing. Like, okay. <laughs> You know, I could use up everything here or, um, sure. you know, just take it, take what I've got and, and, uh, move on. So, I mean, you know, yeah. And, I, and, and competitions are moving faster these days too. There's, uh, there's schedules, there's time limits. Thankfully we're all happy that's... about that. So yeah. So it's a very, very valid point. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, that's exciting too. Of Like doing a halftime show. It's interesting just doing the record thing. Cause I know some people it's like, having a full competition like that changes the whole dynamic whereas like being yeah. able to just focus on that one lift like it's huge especially at a fun show like that like luke davis is great and everything so that's going to be a good time yeah i um i was actually over in the uk a couple weeks back just to visit um a couple friends rebecca roberts and then um claire myler um nice and uh it actually worked out well because i i had planned that trip obviously before i um committed to doing the world record attempt and so when the world record attempt came along, I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's my first time traveling abroad and I'm going to the UK to do the attempt. So it's just kind of, it was a nice little, um, it was a nice little trip to just kind of see what, you know, what to expect. Cause I had never been abroad and um, this will be my first time competing abroad too. So that'll be a whole new experience since the sport is, you know, a lot larger over here than it is or over there. I'm sorry, than it is here. So um, that'll be a cool experience too. I think they have better, they have better crowds over there. I yes. think we have more athletes. I, I yeah, think when I it think boils down to it, I think I think the U.S. has a lot more athletes 
but it's more popular from a um, a fan perspective in Europe, it seems. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think you're right. It does seem like we have more more athletes in the sport. Um, and I don't know why that is. I mean, I don't, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, it, you know. I have my theories. I have my theories. I think a lot of it is, is because in the U.S. it's, um, it's a business, right? It's entertainment. And I think that uh, the way it's grown with both SC and USS is that it's targeted the athletes to, to bring athletes in as the revenue source. Whereas in Europe, that's not really the case. And so I think that's a, I mean, I think that would be a fair bet as to why we have so many athletes um, because that was the growth that Willie specifically uh, set out to accomplish with USS uh, was bringing more athletes. In. And, and, and I mean, USS Nationals is proof in the pudding. Yeah, that contest was has been huge, like unbelievably huge, I, you know, and, and good on him. I mean, you know, I won't knock him for having a vision and following through on that. Um, sure. You know, but like I was talking to Dennis the other day and we were talking about the whole pro card system. And I mean, that's kind of Dennis, your husband, right? Yes. Yes. Um, You know, and that's kind of controversial, too. And, um, you know, I just I I think sometimes uh, the sport can be cheapened by certain by doing certain things. Um, And like I said, that's not a dig at Willie or any other promoter or whatever. Um, But I just think sometimes we we hand out too much, you know, kind of like when bo- back in the day when bodybuilding was handing out pro cards like crazy. Sure. Or they weren't. Initially they weren't right. It was really hard to get a pro card. And then as time went on, like now you have the first, you know, three spots at their national contests are pros and you don't even know who these pros are. And, you know, so, I mean, for me, sometimes I think it gets, the sport gets kind of cheapened, but you know, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I've said that before too. I think it gets diluted. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a sport that's, that's really, I mean, you all, everybody that does well has a good team behind them, right? But it is an individualistic sport. And when you dilute it with a lot of people, it, it, it makes the opportunities for the good athletes harder. I mean, especially from a sponsor perspective, it increases, uh, increases the competition there, the exposure. Um, and in big fields like at USS, when you have 500 people out on the, out on the field, more or less, it's chaos. And from a sponsor sponsorship perspective your athletes getting zero exposure so yeah. i agree with that 100 percent this is lily Come hey. Hey. Lily. she just wants to play she doesn't understand that i can't play with i her. i shut my <laughs> i shut my door so my dog my dog likes to come up in here and just like nuzzle my arm and just shut his face and <laughs> everything that i'm doing <laughs> oh yeah there's plenty of that that goes on with two danes let me tell you oh are they date oh, that's yeah. awesome great danes yeah, how old are they dogs. and how much uh, do they weigh she is um about 11 months and she weighs 120 Ooh, and uh her brother's uh, about four and he's at like 140 so they're oh wow they're decent size they're they're yeah. big enough let's just say that big enough yeah. they're big that's a big dog. They can fit in the 148 class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's go. Oh, Dennis, can you come shut the door? Maybe didn't hear me. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but like you were saying, though, about the sport, I think it's interesting now that, like, the pro cards are everywhere and stuff. And, like, there's you don't know if they transfer to other leagues. Now Ragnarok's doing it, all these things. Right. And it's always 
a little bit complicated because there are no set like rules or standards for lifts like we always talk about on the show but also for like business operations like there's not very good like clear cut like this show will lead to this here's how you get to like this place and everything yeah i think it's getting a bit better but i think it's very much like darren always says like the bulk of the money comes from athletes so you're kind of incentivized to have more athletes rather than less athletes in a higher caliber show. Yeah, it's yeah. this idea of like so many local shows, the novice classes are always just massive. And then there are open classes that don't have enough people to compete yeah. and everything, which Definitely. makes it strange when you have then of like, at least here in Texas, sometimes you have people wanting to do the novice class because they'll get invites to nationals and they wouldn't have gotten an invite to nationals if they had done the open class. Which at what at that point you'd kind of say maybe you don't shouldn't have a shot at nationals if you couldn't compete against even at a small level show like that tier of athletes. So it's a little bit it's hard though, because it is so much like a new sport and it's very much like a kind of just run like a family business of oftentimes mm-hmm. it's like it's a very small community, so it's hard trying to figure out what to do. I think sometimes it's nice to have like Rogue stepping up with the Arnold Strong Woman classic, like that was run really well Agreed. and stuff like overall a phenomenal show and giving those things like equal standards and like giant slav had world's strongest nation that was pretty awesome to see like so there are ways forward and stuff like what do, what's your experience been like starting from when you got into strongman and how have you seen it progress um i guess like i took you know when i got started i first of all i didn't know anything about the sport I am, I am not one of those competitors who um, is in love with the history of the sport. Like, you know, when I started doing this, I, I couldn't tell you who Big Z was because I had no clue. And some people may be like, oh, my God. No, I had no clue. I Like, I tried it on a whim. Um, my coach and good friend um, who still does my coaching, um, he convinced me after like four years to try it. Um, and I just tried it and I've been doing it ever since. And it's something I enjoy doing. Um you know, so, I mean, I, I probably have a little different um, of an experience or view on it as I've gone through than, than some other people. Um, you know, but even when I did nationals, top three, I think, got their pro card. Um, and even at that at that level, I, or at that point, I was like, this seems like that's a lot of pro cards being handed out, you know. Um, For SC, though, I think it's – I think SC's kind of been – so I, I started competing – in strongman in 2008 and i think the number of pro cards that they give away every year is maybe it's either the same or less because they used to do satellite pro uh platinum plus competitions where the winner got a pro card and then the winner of nationals got the pro card now the only place to get the pro card is nationals and arnold okay yeah so i don't think that's changed much for for sc per se but now that USS is giving pro cards and then the shows where they're called pro shows, but they're not technically for pros, I think convolutes what a pro really is. Um, kind of, you know, back to John's. Well, I think the whole thing of bringing more athletes in has kind of diluted the meaning of pro and, you know, and, and, um, and taking away some of that exposure of the people that are really deserving, such as yourself, who put in a lot of work and are performing at a very, very high level. Um, it's unfortunate. I don't think, you know, there was probably never any intention for that at the start. Right. But 
yeah, I think we're seeing some of the negative externalities of of that of the success of of USS, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, but you know, but you know, in the same breath that I say, I thought that three pro cards, you know, per um, per class was a lot. I mean, how if you had less than that, and you you, you want to give pros opportunities? I mean, how do you how do you open up those opportunities when there's not enough pros? To do them but like you said then sure. you have the pro-ams right where yep. you you can be a novice and jump in and compete against a pro so it's just yeah it's i think it's for me it's 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 maybe been a little confusing too you know um so i mean well, there's I guess not there's never been a really defined direction that things mm -hmm. are going they just kind of branch off and new things pop up and and it is confusing <laughs> trying to explain strongman to somebody that is not in strongman is sometimes extremely hard or even new people trying to understand where do where do i go where do i start where, where's the next step well it's a, it's a very convoluted path <laughs> yeah it is for sure and i was i was very blessed um like i said my friend and uh good friend and coach um he had been in the sport for several years so i was blessed to have his knowledge in you know, just what direction should I take? Um, and my, the direction I took was somewhat traditional. I mean, I, I did a nationals qualifying show. I won nationals, um, you know, qualified for the Arnold amateur. Um, and I ended up, you know, getting invited to the pro amateur 2022, you know, so I guess my path was a little bit more traditional than some people. Um, but as far as like this, how the sports changed, like even in the short amount of time that I've done it, and I've only done it for going on four years now. Um, like last year when Rogue took over, or this year when Rogue took over the women's pro, you know, at the Arnold, um, the pro strong women show was huge. I mean, and it was very noticeable, not only to us as athletes, but to, you know, the spectators as well. Um, just in the way it was ran. Um, I mean, it was like down to timing and just the way we were treated, like hotel was paid for, airfare was paid for. We got like all these clothes, jacket, you know? So, and that's nothing on um, like Dion, you know, when, when Dion was doing it, because you can only put so much into a show um, if you have the backing, you know, in the, in the sponsors and stuff like that. So um, again, that's nothing on her. Um, but I mean, there was, like I said, a noticeable difference and just the fact that rogue, was willing to do that and willing to take it on. Cause it was, I mean, it's a gamble. Anytime you, you know, anytime you put your money into something that is a, a first of its kind, it's going to be a gamble. So, sure. um, you know, just the fact that they've, that they did that. And hopefully I'm assuming they'll do the same thing next year and continue to increase the prize money. Um, Cause from the feedback that I've heard, a lot of people enjoyed watching the women's show more than they enjoyed watching the men's show. Um, you know, so it's moving in a good direction. Um, you know, for women. Um, but there's still obviously a ways to go, uh, you know, when it comes to that. And that's a topic that we can yeah. talk to or boom the face on. Right. The most <laughs> important thing, uh, in my opinion, is, is that we have got to get people to watch. Yes. That's what keeps the money in it. And that's what keeps Rogue in it. Um, you know, because there's been there's been numerous organizations that have come and gone since the beginning of the sport. I mean, through the 80s, 90s. 2000s and the number one reason i think that they they don't they didn't stick around is is a failure to draw the the crowds and keep the sponsorship money in it and that's you know i've always been the the opposite i've, I've argued against the growth um you know from the athlete perspective it's like yeah it's great to have more athletes because you know they're going to buy the equipment and stuff but true growth is in growing the 
the viewership, the the audience, because mm -hmm. that's where the sponsors get their ROI and they keep putting money into the sport, which is in at the end of the day is best for the athletes. Right. And there's a return. There's essentially a return on it when, you know, for that company or whoever's putting up the money, um, you know, a return on their investment, essentially. Exactly. So they, they look at it as a, as a, a business venture, so to speak, I guess. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, we definitely, we need the support. We need the support from people who are, um, you know, going to watch and come and to the shows. And so, I mean, that's yeah. what we push here all the time. That's like one of our number one topics is we need us. We not only need to support each other as athletes, um, we need to be uh, helping each other uh, grow the exposure as well on on social media. Uh, I'm terrible with social media, so I'm, I'm probably going to sound a little bit like a hypocrite here, but because okay. I, I try to avoid I try to avoid social media a bit, but I try as best as I can. I think I think if athletes come together and start helping each other and just sharing each other's posts, commenting, liking, right, helping that exposure over the long run is going to be a big uh, positive for the sport and the athletes themselves at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And um, I'm with you. I'm absolutely I'm terrible. I'm terrible at social media. <laughs> I'm never been a fan, um, you know, and God bless Cerberus for, uh, you know, for putting up with me <laughs> in the, in the one post I managed to squeeze out every week, um, you know, and, and I am, I'm supportive of like my fellow athletes and it may not seem that way um, because I don't like reshare their stuff and I don't necessarily comment. Um, but, you know, like I've said before in, in previous like podcasts that I've done, that's for my own mental space, you know, sure. um, I may personally message them and say, Hey, you know, um, good luck, you know, whatever. And just, just have a small conversation with them. Um, but that's, like I said, that's for me, I, I don't need to be watching everybody else, what they're doing good. I don't need to, you know, so that's I guess fair. hypocrite in that sense too. Um, that's but, fair. I mean, cause, cause there's always that one competitor that's going to go just like blast, blast everything they have three weeks out from competition and post it on, on online and everybody's gonna be like, Oh my God, they're going to win this event. And then they bomb it. Right? Yeah. People, people will only see what you want them to see. That's exactly. the other thing, you know? Exactly. So the only um, thing that matters is competition day. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that showed, would, that showed at the Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly for me. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. And you've just been a dominating force though for the past four <laughs> years when you're like, well, I've been doing it about four years and it's like, you've been at the top level of like every show for the past few years now. And I think <laughs> that does show. And when you say the social media thing, it is, it's nice having this podcast because it kind of creates a layer of ab abstraction. So I can just have my personal page doing more personal stuff and like then treat this as more of a business page and stuff. Cause it does like, it's a lot like it's, it takes a lot of mental bandwidth if people are commenting and replying to things and like your feed gets really cluttered, especially if like we've talked about it on the show of like, realistically people have trouble managing more than like 150 connections max. Cause like we're tribal creatures and now you have 5,000 people who are all commenting and interacting with things all the time. You're like, yeah, that's too much energy. Like, hopefully right. you can get to the point where you just yeah. have a social media have. person. So. Yeah. Like, just have a social media intern. Yeah. Darren, looking... has, Darren has me doing this channel. So that's always good. Yeah, I don't have the bandwidth, honestly. I'm I'm one of those people, like, 
I'll uh, I'll look. I'll go looking for somebody that I I swear I just talked to, and it's like fifty lines down, like under like all these. I'm like, have I really talked to that many people? And like the last time I talked to this other person, I'm just like, uh, I spend way too much time just chatting. So. It will, yeah, it will uh, just suck up your time and your yeah. energy. <laughs> yeah, and if you're a serious athlete, I mean, your time is valuable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, well. Right. Your time is valuable. And especially when you have another full-time job, like that's the other thing that, you know, I've had people message me and, you know, like apologize for messaging me because I must be so busy, um, like with competing. And I'm like, no, I'm actually busy with this thing called a full-time job that provides (laughs) me benefits and retirement. And, you know, um, so that's the other thing I've always, I've always viewed this sport, even after the whole going pro and doing, you know, larger contests and whatever, um, as a hobby. And, and some people might take offense to that. Other pros might take offense to that. Actually, I know there's one specifically that does. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's what I've chosen. And, and I, I've chosen because this sport is not, for me, there's not longevity in this sport. Like, yes, you have the anomalies, you have, um, the Mark Felixes who can do it for 20 years, right? um, you know, and, and make essentially a full career out of it. Um, no, he still has a full-time job. He always has. But you know what I mean? Like some people yeah. choose to go that route and, and this is what sure. they do and that's fine. Sure. And I respect that. And I mean, good on you. But for me, I don't want to constantly be chasing a paycheck. Trying, you know what I mean? And for me, that's what it would be. It would be chasing a paycheck, whether it be with clients and staying right. up on that and sponsorships and this, that, or the other. Um, so I just, and that's what it'll always be for me. And so that's, it's probably why I'm, I'm, partially more selective on the, the contest that I do. And, and you don't see me doing, you know, five, six contests a year, um, you know, because of that, it's not my full-time career. And because I like to give my body the time to recover and sure. all that good jazz. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's a fun hobby. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It's funny. You say that somebody may, that some people may take offense to it being called a hobby. Cause I, <laughs> I say a lot of times too that even even the term pro, and no offense, uh, isn't really true in strongman either because because if you, the definition of a professional is making a living from your profession, right? And yes. very very few people are are able to really truly do that in the sport of strongman. Yep, absolutely. Right. I mean, the percentage is so low for you to have that like something. It's and it's not just about being good. I mean, it's about you know, having that something that's marketable um, to companies at, who are going to put you on their full-time payroll. Right. Um, and again, going back to social media, part of that's social media. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, kudos to those people and I'm happy for them. Um, but it's just, it's not, it's not a feasible thing for me. So I'll enjoy it while I'm able to enjoy it. And while I'm able to still be competitive and um, stay free of injury, knock on wood, um, you know, but when that time comes, then, then I hang it up and that's done, you know? So. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, like at least you have realistic expectations and a realistic perspective of the sport. I mean, that's, I yeah. mean, that's says a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to, you know, you have to, um, you know, like Dennis is my husband has been doing it. He started a little late. He started at like 42 and he's nice. going to be 54 this year. And, you know, he'll probably do a couple more contests, but I mean, even he'll tell you just, you know, the breakdown of his body. And, um, sure. I mean, it's just, like I said, while, while it's happening and while we're in this, 
you know, this for me, this this good period where I'm, you know, on top and and able to still um be competitive is great. But yeah. And it's smart though. I mean, this job, like for one, it's not like a traditional job because like I assume Rogue's not like giving you retirement money based <laughs> off the shows you do and like <laughs> they will help out with like hospital bills and stuff, but like mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. also why you have to be selective about the shows you do because like blowing out your knee at a low level show that doesn't have health coverage or anything like like Darren and I always talk about like the indemnity waivers seem to cover almost anything like you can be strapped into Hercules hold and have it almost kill you and it's like <laughs> well you signed a waiver like yep so well I don't think that's I don't think that's, that's true. true that's true <laughs> I don't think it really would cover it I think I think people are confused at what it actually waves yeah I, I think negligence uh I think there's still a a uh, a case for negligence regardless of whatever waiver he signed <laughs> but it is like i think it's important to have like those realistic expectations and stuff and i think for a lot of young people i think like if they start getting money at contests it seems like a lot of money but like if you have a career and things that like other bills and stuff you have to think about like realistically most people couldn't live off their winnings for well, right. years and years yeah like, it's nowhere even close yeah. And I've, and I've had people, you know, I won ASW last year and that was 25 grand <coughs> this year. First place for us was 25 grand. And I've had people say, man, you just won 50 grand in like four months. I was like, yeah, but guess what? I have to pay taxes on that. 20,000 like, <laughs> 20, of that's already gone to the right. government. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so oh, it's, like I said, it's nice little, you know, it's savings money or uh, emergency money or whatever you sure. want to call it. Um, yeah. But but it's not mortgage money like it's not it's one of those things that won't cover all the money yeah yeah because i think that's the part that always gets me is like the fact that you have to pay taxes on that because i think in people's minds they're like oh the promoter whoever they pay taxes and like that's what you're getting afterwards it's like no when rogue gives people at the rogue invitational 200 grand you're not seeing 200 grand and you're not playing you're not paying w2 taxes you're paying 1099 taxes so you're paying all of your fica taxes everything your employer will be paying for you you're paying on top of it so you're taxed heavier on it yep they're definitely having you sign those forms yeah they'll get their fingers in it yeah. Sure. So, so it is like, I think it's a, what you have is a sustainable and realistic <clears throat> approach of those things. Like, yeah, 50 grand sounds like a lot, but then it's like, if that's all you had, that doesn't go very far. And like the world it sounds like a lot though, in strongman because there's does, not yeah, very much to begin with. Cause I mean, winning $50,000, you're one of a very select few that have won that kind of money in strong. I mean, there's a lot of pros that have been, pushing really hard for many years that have never made that much money right yeah so it does sound like a lot but the reality is is that you know we're we're talking about a sport that has been around a long time and it still has a long way to mature um to be amongst other professional sports as far as how well athletes are compensated yes absolutely um and if you just look at like from year to year so you know 2022 let me get my years right. 2022. Yes. Um, you know, like, or ASW 21, I think I made like three grand fast forward to 2022 and I made 25 grand. So, you know, in the Arnold two, 2022 Arnold was 10. 
2023 Arnold was 25. So even in that short, short amount of time. Um, but I think in that one year, the jump that I made in that one year is like 15 years worth of the work that women have put into the sport. And you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, you're right. Before that, America's, I think, gave $1,000 for years. Yeah. For years. That's all it was, 1000 yep. bucks. So, you know, I'm, I guess, fortunate to, to be in it in this time where that switch is starting to happen. Um, you know, and of course, I'm grateful for that. And it's cool to be a part of, um, you know, and hopefully it continues on that path. But like you said, we need the support. Bottom line, we need the support because um, companies and sponsors aren't going to keep pumping money into something that uh, that they're not going to see any any return out of. So right, yeah. and Which I mean, it's hard, yeah. With the current, I mean, there's market. a there's an organization. I, I'm everyone will know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to say the name. I'm not throwing them under the bus, but it's a good example of of sponsors reneging. They do this, and when you don't get the viewership, and you know, as athletes and as fans too, we're also fans. Probably we're the biggest fans right now, right? <laughs> we want to see this. We, no matter like, how unwatchable it is. Seeing, <laughs> seeing the money come in and seeing athletes getting paid is, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion, one of the the greatest achievements in my time of the sport. And, and you know, like I said, I've been I started competing in 2008. Um, and I want to see more. I want to see the athletes start getting compensated for the for the hard work for the show for the you know the entertainment value everything and it's so so important like i can't stress that enough to our listeners like it's so important that we get people in and start watching these shows yeah which is why rogue is like so important people always ask like because everyone complains about like world's strongest man not being live streamed and people are like well like on christmas day it gets two million concurrent viewers that is great, but Rogue routinely does these shows that get millions of views. That like sponsors will actually cough up a decent amount of money to have a thousand people see. I mean, a million people see their logo yeah. over the span of a few months. They'll do these things that like I think sometimes like Rogue has the best structure because I've seen with CrossFit games. Like literally, I would say before CrossFit, I think Reebok. No one cared about Reebok as a shoe or anything, and now because of CrossFit. Reebok is like one of the most profitable shoe companies out there purely because they sponsor CrossFit and that's what they're like known for. So there are these ways of, I think, and it is still like, I think very much strong bands and it's almost adolescent phase in a way of like, there's still very much like old school ways of thinking about certain things. Of they're very idea, developmentally like... delayed. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a state of arrested development. Realizing... Sorry. Sorry. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> That's true. Because I think. Because now... they're only 45 years old. That's true. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I was like, it's a long adolescence. But, but it is funny when people always like talk about this. Like, I think it is great if we can see that ramp up in pay that's been occurring as long as that keeps going consistently, because there is, it's funny a lot for the longest time, people are like, I don't know if there's money in like women's strength sports. And it's like every top CrossFit woman out there is just killing it social media wise. Like you can be not even like super competitive, but win enough money from shows and sponsors that like, you can just make a living just being like Danny Spiegel and stuff, which is a dope she's a, life. She's an exceptional. She's, she's exceptional. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think well, I mean, what she makes. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say like she's exceptional. Like, just, I mean, she is an exceptional athlete, but she's an, uh, 
she's an exception really is what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. i think to the rule because yeah. she's like she's one person that's doing really extraordinarily well but mm -hmm. i think that is a good point like we bring up sometimes i like to show crossfit for like weight class strongman because they're actually making money in strongman in in crossfit they get the exposure the women especially are getting a lot a lot of exposure and the point is is that there are opportunities out there and and anybody that may argue that you know, I, I think in strongman, sometimes weight class athletes get, um, this isn't a pun, but they get the short stick. Um, you know, they get the short end of the deal. But but, but you look at, at, at CrossFit and they're lighter weight athletes who get a lot of exposure. So it's not a matter of like being your weight class. I think sometimes the location or the sport that you're in can really make a big difference on, on um, how successful financially you can be. Um, but I mean, strongman, strongman's a big person sport. Um, it is. And, and the big and the biggest and the strongest are going to get the most, they're going to get the spotlight. Yeah. And I, I think you're right too on that. And I was just going to say that like, you know, we don't, as women in strongman, we don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't appease. I don't think society's view of, of what a, even a female athlete should look like. Um, and that's just not you know, that's just not like me with short hair and, and, you know, being broader and muscular. I mean, just across the board with any of the women. And um, I think, unfortunately, maybe that that may be, I don't want to, I don't want to say a downfall of, 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 uh, for, you know, for us in the sport. I mean, but it's just, you know, like some of the comments that we get, you know, after we compete or when we put up videos, I, I, I would doubt that, you know, the CrossFit girls get i mean they pr they probably get some just because there's always going to be those people out there that just, think that a woman should be barefoot in the kitchen you know pregnant holding a kid just cooking dinner um you know but we don't like i said we don't we mm -hmm. we look different yeah so you know i think that that may be um that may work against us a little bit i um, think if it's managed well though like there's enough as someone who's like just really into like obscure metal bands and everything, we're a big enough world now that like you can find a hundred thousand people who are into almost anything. Of like, you can literally like, I went and saw a band where they just like dress like goblins and sing about goblins. That's all they do, and like hundreds of thousands of people will see it. Like, so I think it's that focusing on getting the audience and having people out there because like watching what you do and like watching the weights the women have consistently put up has been incredible to see like as the stakes are climbing and stuff like seeing what you've done and Inez when she was on the show and stuff I think it's only just starting to ramp up and I think if we can break out of this mentality that like it's a small world and like there's not that many people who are interested it's like with it's the internet eight billion people yeah on this planet. instead like we do this thing where like Darren did a thing a while back where like there's 15,000 strongman athletes who compete. And like, that's what the, we think the, the market US. share is in the US. But like, we act like that's the market cap is like those 15,000 people. And it's like, there are families, there are people out there of like, there's unlimited TV and stuff. But I think it's like trying to like get like your face in front of more people and stuff of like, people need to see what you do because like at the end of the day, like it is 2023, like people are, doing more and more non-traditional things like 
you have people who it, their whole job is being podcasters, which isn't it, like a real job, like or wouldn't have been even. A it's decade. really odd to me, though, actually, yeah. from like, you know, I, it, there's always going to be assholes out there. It, it doesn't matter. And I mean, and the and the Internet is full of them. Right. And and they've got to go on everybody's channel and tell them that their their gym lift was a no lift and, you know, and whatever else. Um, so you're never going to Glenn, Glenn yeah. in your mom's basement, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, ignore the fuck out of those guys. They they're 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 irrelevant. But um, but it's odd to me at the same time, because because um, society, Western society in general for for centuries has celebrated strong women in in various ways or another i mean joan of arc is a is a perfect example the warrior woman um and so it's odd to me that 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 there's a any kind of stigma to women being powerful and strong um i think i think you just have you just have those assholes out there that are just gonna they're gonna troll just to troll because they're they're they have shitty negative lives right um, but I think at the end of the day, getting back to what John says, uh, marketing, getting the right people marketing can change perspective in a big, big way. I mean, you go back to like the 1930s, I think Edward Bernays, who's considered the the father or, or of modern marketing, he changed the entire country's perspective on women smoking in public, right? By, by using positive marketing techniques. So, um, it's possible to really get a big crowd of people behind women's strong, behind strong women. Um, it's going to take the right people, right? The I people think, that have the yeah. drive. And I mean, that kind of goes to the, the sport overall too. getting money in that money is there. The NFL rakes in something like $14 billion a year in endorsements, right? The money's out there. That's going to take the right people and the people with the, the incentive and the, and the persistence to go and bring that in, right? So, given time, hopefully, I mean, we've seen, you know, again, I, I mean, I'm going to shout out Anthony Furman and and TJ Stodacker. I think I said his name right for once. Um, <laughs> you know, th those were two people that had that passion um, for strongman and did, you know, I think they had a ha will have a very long lasting uh, impression on the sport, and so we need more people like that. I'm not that person, you know, but <laughs> I would like to be right. Yeah. I I've dreamed about that a long time, but I'm just, that's not me. But, um, but yeah, I think it's possible. It's always possible. Right. Cause I, I think you just have to get your face in front of like the right person because in the end of the day, like your story is like a really, really impressive one. Like to see the kind of lifts you've done and like more and more of like, even like Tamara Walcott, like, She's a very non-traditional woman who's now been on like Ellen and there are like more and more people looking at strength sports because like I think they finally see what the capacity is there because for the longest time there have been these like artificial like limits about certain things of like seeing what was it Gabby Dixon do like this beat a bunch of the men doing the Hercules hold at mm -hmm. World Strongest yeah. Nation like. People see the same, the same weight like, too, right? The same exact weight, same which exact was crazy. Weight. She beat Martins Lisi's like using yes. his exact technique. And you're like, that's crazy. And I think we're just, <clears throat> we've had a long period of arrested development where for some reason the sport was like, I don't know if we should care about 50% of the market share in this country. <laughs> and you're like, wait, 50% of this country is a huge market share. Like that's the same, like, I'm, 
we shouldn't shout out the tobacco companies, but like realizing that like marketing to half the country is probably a smart idea. Like if you can get women smoking in public, like you can sell cigarettes and like, this is a much healthier thing. Like get women into strong man, but like get this idea out. And I think it's still just slowly developing. And I think we're just starting to see the growth curve of it because at this point, like we, I would say in the past 45 years, like, only in the past decade, like since I've been really interested in strongman, has like even the top guys they've started to like make money off YouTube and everything. Like Brian Shaw and like Half Thor, they make over half a million dollars a year on just YouTube alone. Yeah, it's crazy. like that is crazy. And if they can start giving back and stuff, like that is like <laughs> when I told Darren some of the money that they make on YouTube, he was like, "I guarantee you, they've made more money." off of youtube than probably most of their strongman stuff otherwise yeah and that's just like so i think we're at the start of something so i like i like where things are going like as far as the women's sport of Mm -hmm. like you're just dominating everything and stuff like and i think the 700 pounds will fall because i just saw lucy underdown she Mm -hmm. just did like what was it 672 looked pretty smooth what that, she, that's that was the pressure the I was alluding bar. to early on, right? <laughs> oh yeah, seven <laughs> hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, but it is like I think we're just starting to see this cap and stuff. Mm-hmm. Of like, I think the main thing is like we've talked about it um, before. Like, there just aren't enough women doing the open classes to have created like the competitive environment needed to like a rising tide carries all ships and like. I think we're just starting to get larger women's shows in general and stuff. Yeah. Cause for the longest time, it was this idea of like, can we get 10 really strong women in the same room to compete was like a challenge. And now more and more, I think that as things will progress, like you have a high level show, like <clears throat> the Arnold strong woman classic. Like if the women come to like the rogue invitational, that's another huge show. It's like big market share. So I think I think there's a lot of potential. So I'm very optimistic. I also, because I'm just recovering from being sick, I'm just optimistic <laughs> about the world in general. Because nothing's worse than being sick for a week and then finding out you're allergic to amoxicillin, which is what they gave you to make you oh, feel better. Okay. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, it's not great. Um, so yeah, so I'm just optimistic about the world in general. Right yeah, and I, and I definitely think you're right. A lot of good points. Um, yeah. And- it's like the old saying, change takes time. It does. At the end of the day, it does. Um, you know, and I mean, we'll see how, I mean, we'll see where it goes, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping for a bright future too for us and just for the sport in general. Like, so what shows do you have lined up? Because you have the Chaos Classic, like that's going to be a big deal. But that's kind of like a one-off, like one lift. Yeah. Focus on that. Like, so what's your next plans look like? Um, well, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm throwing the idea of uh, doing ASW. I'm throwing that idea around again. Um, I don't like to do contests that are too close to each other. So if I don't have, you know, a good eight to 10 weeks to start <coughs> for a contest, then I won't even, usually I won't even bother doing it. And for me, it's because that's about the range where I can fully recover and, and come back and be a hundred percent. Um, and for me, I, I, if I'm going to go out and compete and put all that effort in, I want to be at a hundred percent. Um, so we'll see about that. Um, I was invited to world's strongest nation this year. So, nice. um, That's yeah, gonna be real awesome. Yeah. I don't know who, who has all been invited, um, from the U S but, um, 
I was invited to that. So more to come um, on that contest. So that's a plan. Um, you know, but for the rest of the year, I think that that's probably going to be about it. Um, there's a lot of people pushing for me to do OSG this year. Um, but I don't know. The crappy thing is, is that, you know, several of those larger contests, they fall right within like a month of each other. Right. And so again, either I could be this person that hits every single contest because I'm a pro and that's what pros do, or, you know, I, I'm selective on what I do and perform at my best, which is what I have chosen to do. Um, so, you know, we'll see and things can change as time goes on, but for now it's really the only things that are plans that are solidified would be, um, the deadlift attempt and then, um, the nation versus nation contest this year. So, so what, when sense. is the, when is the strongest nation? What's the date on that? Um, that is the weekend of November 18th and that is oh, wow, okay. in Liverpool. I'm pretty certain. Right. That's going to be awesome because it's uh, is it the Wimbledon Live or whatever? They're like it's a, isn't it the Giants Live Auditorium? They do a bunch of stuff there or something. Um, yeah, off the top yeah. of my head, I can't remember what exactly the venue name is. Um, but just from talking with like Becca and uh, you know a few others that did it last year, it's just they said it, it's a it's a contest like no other because mm -hmm. you're yes you're competing but you're competing <laughs> with a team, and so it's just a different different dynamic. So it's it's a lot more fun you know, um, right. than, than just doing a, an and also in front of a massive crowd. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the other thing. Um, and I've never performed in front of, I don't think, no, I mean, none of our shows here in the U S are, are that big or the crowd, you know, there's that many people. In the crowd. I'm not sure any shows as big as, is, uh, what they, <laughs> what they draw at, at those shows in, um, in Liverpool and, in Leeds, I think have like the biggest crowds in the world. Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be an experience for sure. Um, I've been told that you get like a walkout song, so mm. there's a couple of walkout songs. I'm not gonna let them out the bag because I don't want anybody. To... <laughs> I wanted to ask. I was like, feel my thunder, but uh... <laughs> so um, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be it'll be it'll be a good experience and a good time. So Looking yeah, forward. and I I think it's smart to not do too many shows together. I think one of the biggest examples was I forget which year it might have been 2018 or 2019 <clears> that. Alexei Novikov did way too many shows and didn't didn't perform very well by the end of the year. And then he took time off, came back and won World's Strongest Man in 2020. I'm pretty sure was the one he won. Yes, 20. Yeah. So I think the I think there's merit to that because a part of it is like <clears throat> at the end of the day, unless like the pay was crazy and stuff, like you're not like it's one of the things, the biggest lesson that it's a great video. Juji Mufu, when he quit his job to pursue YouTube or being a being a strong person full time, he didn't do it until he was actually losing money by doing his day job. He was like he he got to the point where he said he was losing something like twenty five or fifty dollars an hour doing his day job that he could be putting that energy towards something else. Yeah. And at this point, I mean, now there are like those things you have to think about. Like, is it worth it doing these shows that it's not? it's taking a lot out of you and you can't be at the peak and mm -hmm. stuff because at the end of the day, like it is a hobby <clears throat> and everything, but at the end, like just looking at your strongman archives page and stuff like that is a legacy of being able to like 
you go you list the show and you just come in like the terminator and you're just gonna take first place <laughs> like at this point i feel like most people would see your name on a thing and you're like yeah smart money's on victoria Long. that's the that's the plan i mean but i yeah. think that's always the plan <laughs> you know that's true that's um, always the plan for everyone but yeah like, very few, you have you have that andrew clayton quality of just being like if you're there you're gonna win the show like smart money would don't be jinx me don't jinx me i know i won't jinx you but he has a point though he just he'll just announce it he's like this is what i'm doing <laughs> and i think you have that quality so i think it's always good and i think especially the world's strongest nation like that got so much interaction online mm -hmm. and like got so much interest i think that's that's huge because at the end like that's the spirit of strongman it's just putting on a fun show lift really heavy stuff and like put a like get a show out there and stuff like if you're just going for that old-timey like circus thing because it's impressive to see and it brings new eyes and it does have that thing of like mm -hmm. Those wow moments, like watching the internet react to Gabby Dixon past like a minute or something on the Hercules hold with the men's weight. You have like Kevin Ferris could barely last like 30 seconds or something. And you're like, that's impressive to see people do that. So that's a huge opportunity. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I, I think at the end of the day, too, I mean, for strong women, no matter what, you start you start breaking limits and setting these huge records that nobody thought was possible previously um people are gonna start paying attention no matter what right there's a point where um people are gonna start watching regardless so you keep doing what you're doing i think uh it's going to bode well for strong women in general yeah and that's um that's all i i can hope for i mean even in the short time that i've been doing it like i have been surprised at what we've been able to accomplish like the women have been able to accomplish um so it's just, it's mind blowing. And it's like, I, I even catch myself thinking like, wh where's the ceiling on this? You know what I mean? Like there isn't one. You're right. I mean, and we're looking you know, <laughs> towards like now a 700 pound deadlift and like a ridiculous log. And I'm like, like, where does this end? Like at what year? <laughs> and am I still going to be alive when a woman like presses a 400 pound log? You know what I mean? That would so, be insane. Yeah. Um, that would be insane. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's just crazy. And it can happen. That's yeah. the, that's the reality. That's a, you know, I say um, sports in general, but I think it's very noticeable in strength sports. Every time there's a barrier that's, that's hit, it just encourages everybody else to try to beat that barrier. Cause, cause like it with men, like the, the thousand pound deadlift barrier, even the squat barrier was thought impossible, right. In the eighties and the nineties, then you had, um, Benedict Magnuson pull a thousand rock. Well, at first you had Andy, Andy Bolton pull in a suit, but then you had had uh, Benedict Mason do it raw. And now you got guys like Ray Williams and um, and um, say his Jesus name. Olvera. Jesus, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I almost called him Jorge. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, both with a J. I just uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, those two guys are squatting a grain and sleeve. So. Um, you got to have that mindset, of course, that anything's possible. But as the as the sport evolves and people keep breaking, women keep breaking the barrier. You know, you're going to hit the 700. Maybe you'll hit more. Somebody else is going to push for it, and it's just going to keep going. It's just going to keep rising and rising and rising and rising. And that barrier, you know, we don't know what the human body is capable of because, yeah. like, bar like <laughs> most of those barriers all exist in the mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And. 
just to just to be this is sound like so sounds so cliche like I hope that I can be a good example for the future strong women. But when I really think about it, you know, to to be part of it and to be somebody that, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, like a woman that just enters a girl, you know, whatever that enters this sport, you know, is going to be able to like look at my videos and be like, you know, that's pretty effing cool. Um, or to be the first woman to do something, whether it be the first woman to pull this or the first woman to press that or I mean. Nobody can take that away from you. Somebody, I mean, re world records can always be beaten, right? And they will be. That's right. what records are meant to be broken. And so nobody like the elephant bar deadlift, for example, nobody's going to remember that, or most people won't remember that I held that record, you know, from this month to this month, this year to this year, you know, but people will remember me if I pull this amount or I pull, you know, if I'm the first to do this or first to do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully some firsts are in my future. Um, Cause that would be pretty freaking cool. Cause nobody, yeah. I mean, nobody can take that away from me. You can pull more than I can, but right. you will always be the first. Movie. Yeah. So we'll see. It's kind of how I look at it. <laughs> we got a lot of time left to, to keep training. Yeah, we do yes. actually. Yeah. Like the, you have, you have a lot going on and stuff like, so how have you found, like, what's your training like? leading up to event like that because you have so much time do you like try to break it into 12-week training cycles stuff like that or something like a show like what's it look like leading up to like this deadlift one's more one-off thing but like how do you structure your training with such large breaks in between um so really i mean it allows us to have um like a trial run you know what i mean like a trial run for that actual prep for that contest which is mm -hmm. nice um, and you test maxes, you know, even in the trial run, you test maxes and, um, before you go into the actual, you know, full fledged, full fledged prep for whatever contest that you're doing. Um, you know, and even with, um, you know, my next thing is just going to be the deadlift. I mean, I'm still training other things because you always want to, you know, stay current on other events because you never know what events are going to be at the next contest. You you're not going to do like Luke Davies and Davis and just. <laughs> Deadlift four times a week? No. <laughs> I love deadlifting all the time. It's Sorry. So good. <laughs> no, that I will not do. Um, I'm, I'm actually uh, not deadlifting any more than I would, you know, in normal contest prep, a full contest prep. Nice. Um, and, you know, it's kind of what, what my coach and I say, you know, why fix something if it's not broken? Absolutely. You know, so we just keep rolling with what we've been doing and until it fails us. Um. So yeah, it's uh in this prep's no different. Um, we've had a little bit of a trial run as well for this prep, you know, prior to me starting um this uh 10 week run. So yeah. Yeah. So I mean, your your intensity on the other events and other trainings probably a little less, right? To say for deadlift days. I mean, is that kind of or do you, I mean is everything just basically the same? You're still just pushing yourself on on the other training days or yeah, I mean the the goal the the goal for the other events is to not lose that strength. Um, gotcha. And so I'm I mean I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not doing any press maxes or anything like that. Um, but it's just not to lose strength in those other areas because um, while we're focusing on the deadlift, I mean, are am I when I'm not <laughs> when I'm not deadlifting any more than in a normal contest? Right. Um, but um, we we might push the the I think we'll push the the deadlift a little bit more this time. Um, just because that's what I'll be doing. Sure. Um, but yeah, 
the main focus is just to not lose strength in those other areas. Gotcha. That's pretty I think easy. that's smart. Yeah. yeah. And the, too, I mean, Darren is big into like well-rounded full athlete training and stuff. Cause I always complain about the fact that my pressing is terrible, but I don't focus on it very much. And I just <laughs> like deadlifting. And that's like, sometimes you do actually kind of have to pick, are you going to focus really on pressing yeah. or deadlifting? Yeah. You have stuff. to focus think, on the shitty things too. It's true. <laughs> and I think that is like, there are, it's going to be crazy to see what's going to happen this next year with things of like people, Andrea Thompson is just like her pressing has been crazy to watch. Yeah. To watch like your deadlift progression and like her pressing and to find out that like she's compressed like 300 some pounds overhead and she weighs or she's like five, two or something, five, four. Cause she's not very tall. She's and stuff. I want to say she's like five, seven or five, eight. Okay. So. I yeah. was thinking she was shorter for some reason. No, so I don't. I, like, I don't have to like look way down at her. When I'm <laughs> <laughs> How tall are you? Then? Just a little bit of a. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny. I had uh, I asked Big Laws uh, a few weeks back. I was like, "When is Andrea retiring?" And he's like, "Well, he's like, she's been saying that for like two or three years." And I'm like. <laughs> I mean, but that's just it. Like as a, as an athlete, like when do you retire? Quote unquote retire. You, you know? never, never, right. you never say retire. <laughs> never say retire because you'll come never. back and do one more show. Yeah. Well, that's they true. have master's classes for a reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> they have Highland games. That's my retirement. Okay. <laughs> Highland games is for, for us old, old turds. Yeah. <laughs> focus on that throwing. Throw a focus on throwing. <laughs> So that that does make a big difference though trying to think of like the longevity and i think that makes your training sustainable of like because yeah. contests do beat you up and everything like watching like the stoltman brothers do tons of comps all the time like you can see it like you can see it in their performance of like the arnold strongman and stuff like i feel like they pride themselves in Europe, oh yeah especially the eastern <laughs> block guys they pride themselves in doing as many competitions as possible um, I remember Yerzy Cuddlecheek had asked me in Finland how many shows I'd done, you know, over, I think at the time was maybe 13 years of competition. I'm like, I don't know, maybe around 50, you know, kind of averaging three shows, two, three shows a year. And he's like, and he'd been competing maybe 10 years at that time. And he's like, I've done 150. And I'm like, what? How is that possible? <laughs> You're doing wow. 15 shows a year on average? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that'll never be me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt we're gonna we're gonna get into the high double digits for my contest appearances when I when I call it quits saying it up. But you know, that's all right. It's all good. <laughs> just keep showing up, though. You just still got plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> just like, and with the the pool, it is like because ideally, it's kind of like a double edged sword because you want to grow the sport and like encourage enough women to get in strong man that like and strong woman that like they won't have room for you at shows and stuff because ideally if they still have room for you at shows in the next 15 years, like there aren't enough women competing there right. and stuff. So I think like as the pool gets bigger and stuff, cause that, I know that was a bit of a challenge of like, who did, who do they invite for the Arnold strong woman classic? Mm -hmm. Cause it is like, it's a smaller pool of people to choose from, but I think that's going to continue to take off and everything. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, and I mean, there's so many strong women that just haven't gotten out there yet. You know what I mean? Like, and that's mm -hmm. why I, you'll never catch me saying I'm the strongest woman in the world. I don't care if I hold that title, you know, like I, 
because it's there's always somebody stronger, always somebody better. You know, they just may have not been found yet. So, I mean, they're there. They're out there, you know. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, there's a woman out there in the Eastern Bloc who's just like been deadlifting like 800 pounds and doesn't yeah. know it because she just <laughs> like she working, flip over a car on a farm somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's what so many of those people where you're like, you don't know what the weight of that is. And I think like the cap's crazy of um, what is it? Sandra Bradley just had the Bulvarian stone or something. Oh, yeah. What's that thing? The 507, like as a woman who's like 181, like that was crazy. Bavarian stone lifting. I think it was yeah. Sandra Bradley. I was like, you start seeing these things. Like it's crazy. I think it's waking a lot of people up to like see these high numbers that you didn't think about yeah. and stuff. Sure. Like even at like, I go to a powerlifting gym here in Austin and one of my friends, Chelsea, she has bench national soon or something. She weighs like 155 pounds and her bench right now was like 286 or something. Like she's getting close to that 300 pound mark. And like, that's crazy as like a drug tested athlete to be able to think like as a woman, to be able to almost press double your body weight as bench. Like that's, that's something that most people just dream about, like regardless of gender and stuff. Accomplishment there. I can't, I can't bench to double my body weight right now. Mm. That's actually, a, that's think, <laughs> actually, I don't think I've ever benched double my body weight before. That's true. That's how you know that you're a true strong man though, because you don't know your bench. You don't focus on it. <laughs> I was like, if you're really into strongman, you actually don't know what your bench press is. You occasionally do close grip bench for absurd numbers. Like you'll see people right. all the time. They're like, they're like, just close grip bench for like three plates for reps. And you're like, oh, like you don't know what your bench is. That's just your accessory. Like, yeah. The average person always asks me like, what do you bench? And I'm like, how about ask me what I deadlift? <laughs> but that's always the question. So how much do you bench? They see you have muscles of it. How much you bet? Really? Okay, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, don't. I don't. My favorite that. question actually is like, dude, what did you do to get so big? Like, do I really need to explain that to you? <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> That's true. But That's I, awesome. I think it's, a, it's always crazy to just like see those things. And brief PSA, Darren was actually saying that like, Pec injuries when half Thor Tor is back doing the bench press. Like, it's a surprisingly high entry rate. Like, when people always talk about strongman movements having a high entry rate, you're like, that bench, unless you're like really trying to be a super power lifter, like, that's a lot of strain on the human body. Yeah. Like, but I mean, but I mean, there's, I mean, that's true. Power lifters tear their pecs all the time. I'm like, yeah. That I mean, like Scott Mendelson tore his on, I think, one of his world record raw attempts. Yeah. If you remember back in the day. Yeah, because when I was at his gym, like he had all the pictures of it and talking about yeah. it. As yeah. far as like meeting someone who's a crazy person, Scott Mendelson had some of the craziest training protocol stories of like <laughs> anyone I've ever met. Of like his his geared benching, like because he was like, yeah, no one cared. Like people were just like said that like the shirt did all the work, so I just went out and I just did the raw <laughs> record just to prove that I was still strong and everything. And he had uh, his. He had a kilo chart for the plates and because he had a shirt that was like, he's crazy into the equipped lifting. But his kilo chart thing literally started at eight plates because he's like, that's what that's what we like. That's the only number I care about. Like, that's when I start counting plates on the bench is once it's eight, eight red kilo plates. So all of us, like what? when he joked about it, we're like, 
there's no way. And then his kilo <laughs> thing, I went to like find it to someone because we had like three plates and a yellow on there. And I was like, what is this? And it only started at eight plates. And I was like, okay, so we don't actually know what weight this is. Let me get out the calculator real quick. But yeah. I, his, I'm his actually doing that right now. So I'm like, how much is that? That's, <laughs> that's over a thousand pounds, man. Yeah. I was like, was, yeah. That's all you I don't care about it until it's a thousand. <laughs> 66 yeah, pounds. Like, yeah. Like that's what that's the kilos only thing with the bar. Like, yeah. Cause <laughs> that overload, the bench training his like uh, him in Los Angeles though. He was, he was a trip though. It was something just crazy seeing that kind of strength. But I think like those limits, people don't know what they are. Like once mm-hmm. it starts happening of even that like thousand pound equipment bench club. Now it's like the meets that are like, how many men can break this barrier that it's like, so it's a equip lifting is its own kind of like feed and stuff. But yeah, those pec tears, I was like, it's just not a fun movement. Like once you've started to like feel what's actual fun lifting movements are, it's like bench isn't exciting. Yeah. Mm. Like there's nothing <laughs> like there's yeah. not like movement. Like it's not like, I don't know. Log press is pretty cool. Or just general overhead pressing. But deadlifts really are the key. Maybe it's the key. Yes. That's like well, zerchers are really the god emperor oh <laughs> shout out brief brief shout out to manuel pescari hitting 207 kilos on a zercher just training which is like five kilos above the world record or something oh 10 god. 10 kilos yeah which is what he said what we were talking he was like he's like i'm not gonna beat it by a small number and i was like so at least five kilos he was like no i'm not beating it by five of anything <laughs> he was like 10 i was like 10 kilos is a lot i was like but yeah so it is like, it's going to be exciting to see where all this stuff goes and everything. Yeah, I absolutely. feel like we talked a lot during this one and stuff. Do you have any like other stories or anything? I feel like we didn't give you as much of a platform as maybe we could. Oh, no, I don't. I don't need much of a platform at all. Um, Your no, legacy I, speaks for itself. I can't, Just strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't think of anything that I that I want to talk about or I mean. Usually people just ask me, so what's your story? Tell me where you got started. And I'm like, well, everybody knows that now. So yeah, (laughs) so that's kind of what we kind of avoid on this show. Yeah, we like to to get into people's stories. Yeah, (laughs) we like to have people on and just have good conversations. That's that's our thing. Much appreciated. It's a nice change of pace. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what that's kind of our niche, because people are like, what's your niche exactly? And it's like complaining about standards and strong man. There's too many people. (laughs) And it's like sometimes the sport feels cheap, like, but also just conversation of like, because that's the main thing. Whenever people ask, they're like, oh, because anytime I tell my friends we're doing a guess, they're like, how did they get into strong man? And I'm like. They've done other podcasts. Like, I guarantee it's out there somewhere. There's research. an article that's like, <laughs> most people know what your first show was. Or like, what what shows have you won? I'm like, there's the internet. Like, yeah, all of them, right? All of them, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, I think that's a very smart thing to, to have those selective things. And hopefully the prize pots will keep going up. Right. That really is when you I mention that. that. I'm like, $50,000 to like win between two shows is like, that's substantial when like I mean it's nice. Like I don't wanna yeah. I don't wanna make it seem like I'm not grateful for the you know it's true. Grand, but it's but, like you know, people just yeah people there's I mean there's other things that go along with winning that fifty thousand. It's <laughs> true. Like it takes all the money to get there and stuff. Like there's yeah, a lot of like absolutely. I mean stuff. And I don't I'm guilty of not putting as much like into my recovery, for example, as I probably should, you know. Um, but it, it is, it's it's 
everything that goes along with it, that the behind the scenes stuff that people don't see that you're, you know, dishing out money for, yeah. um, you know, so like you said, for that 50 grand to be doing all that. It's an expensive hobby. It is. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. So that's why expensive. people can't afford it. Um, and they're asking like these GoFundMe, they're starting these GoFundMes. I'm like, no, mm -mm. it's a hobby. If you can't afford to do your hobby, then don't do it. <laughs> but there you go. That's the best argument I've had. I've heard yet against GoFundMe's. I was going to ask. I was like, "What's your hottest yeah, take?" The, that's a that's a hot take one. Because I sometimes I'll get the injury thing of like, if you don't have health insurance, like that's a real bummer to like. If it's surgery, you should not like, compete if you don't show, have though. health insurance. That's true. That's also a PSA of like there are comp shows, there are like ways to get insurance and stuff yeah. out there, yeah. but also like. The main thing is, even if you're a professional athlete, like paying for health insurance out of pocket is really expensive. It is. Like for so many people, like especially now it's gone up, like you're you're thinking at like 12 grand a year or a $1,000 a month, like in insurance, if your employee's not matching and yeah, stuff. For sure. So yeah. I think you're very smart about that of like until eventually strong man or strong woman, like hopefully they'll start having a health insurance plan. That they match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that's you know one thing at a time here. That's <laughs> it's true. I'm like yeah. bigger prize pots, health insurance, workman's comp, right? Retirement, everything. Just oh man, that retirement because otherwise you just have to like get really into social media. But oh, that's yeah. the hard thing. Reti retiring on social media. Right, that's the biggest thing. I don't yeah. think I can stay relevant until I'm sixty. You just need to find a good camera person. If you have like, if you have like a young person at church or something who's into filming, like just do your social media for you. That'll just yeah, be like, here's your video to post. Like, here's a compilation of this week's training. That's really what you need for sure. Dennis is lacking in that area, so I got to find somebody else. It's hard though. I'm like, it's 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 a lot and everything, but it's hard to find. It's far hard to find a good camera person. That's true. That doesn't, I, that's gonna, I'm gonna charge you a lot. <laughs> that's why I say churches and universities are where you go. Yeah. Like if you can find a good person who's just like really into it, because some like, churches have like amazing camera setups, and I'm like, it's just like volunteer work. But they're like, people are just good with sound, good with this stuff. But if you don't go to church, then it's real hard to find people and everything. Well, so, there, I mean, there's a reason to start. It's true. Hey, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, just like show up and just be like, yeah. Like that's the that's the real frontier. People have been going to like GoFundMe for that. Just go to church and be like, my mission. I'm gonna show people. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll wear our church logo. You, might, the world. you might spontaneously combust though. For <laughs> going to church just for selfish reasons. That's true. You're going straight to hell for that. <laughs> oh man all right we uh we like to try to stay about an hour victoria we're okay. we're We've over never that been able we're, to stay on we haven't never days. actually managed because we always we have good guests on and we always talk <laughs> <over. go>. yeah <laughs> any any closing thoughts i know joan kind of already asked you about that um closing thoughts or where people can find you on social media anything else you want to say to to our listeners um the follows are always appreciated, of course. Uh, One Strong B is my um, Instagram handle. Um, if you want to follow me and see what I'm up to, which isn't a whole lot, but 
if you uh, if you want to <laughs> see and follow, um, go ahead and, and follow that. Don't personal don't friend request me on my Facebook, okay? That's for friends and family and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah. Other than that, um, you know, I we always appreciate I always appreciate the people who follow the sport and you know all the positive feedback and even the negative. So thank you, trolls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's about it. <laughs> They're just fire, fire, fuel for the fire. Right? That's right. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having you. Great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having Support us on Patreon or Anchor and find us on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs>